Thank you so much for joining us for today's podcast. We'll get started in just a moment. If this is your first time here, please consider subscribing so that you may stay up to date with the latest podcast. And if our podcast brings value to your life, please consider sharing it with family and friends. Thanks for listening. And now here's today's podcast. Thanks for joining us for the Covenant Living Broadcast with Pastor John Butler of Covenant Life Church, located at 130 Atlantic Avenue in Bremen, Georgia. Last week, uh, let me sort of set this up if you, if you haven't been joining us. Um, last week, we talked about the greatest marriage in history. Since this is February, we decided to do kind of a traditional marriage series that we so cleverly called the Marriage Series. Uh, and so this is week three. Um, next week, Cindy Diaz will, will come and, and she'll be the, uh, the cleanup hitter. And she's going to share her testimony and the things that the Lord's been teaching her about marriage. And you're not going to want to miss that for sure. Um, so we're continuing this marriage series today. Last week, we talked about a tree of life marriage. Uh, and we talked about the greatest marriage in history, Adam and Eve. Why Adam and Eve? Because they're the only couple in the history of mankind to have ever experienced marriage without the influence of sin. They were man and wife before the fall, before the sin. So they experienced what it, what it was like to be married and not be influenced by our sin nature. And we discovered that what that afforded them was the opportunity to eat of the tree of life as much as they wanted. And we talked about the fact that we still get to do the same thing. We can eat of the tree of life. We can live in the tree of life in our marriages as well. The Bible talks about four different things that can be a tree of life in our relationships if we'll allow them. Now, last week we looked at the first and, and maybe the most obvious and maybe the most important of those trees of life, and that's our words, our words. Um, what we say to our spouses, what we say about our spouses, and what we say to and about ourselves will determine whether or not we live in the tree of life or whether we live in the tree of the fruit of the, or live in the fruit of the knowledge of good and evil. So today I want to go back to the Garden of Eden one more time. I want to identify maybe the biggest, the biggest key to having a tree of life marriage. It's going to seem obvious at first glance, but I hope as we, over the next few minutes, as we continue to sort of unravel this thing, you'll understand why this particular thing is so important. And remember, almost everything, you're like, John, like I'm 12, <laughs> you know, or, or I'm not married, haven't been married, or, or I've been married and I ain't planning to do that again, whatever it is. I want you to remember this, almost everything that applies to a healthy marriage relationship also applies to your other relationships. So even if you're not married or don't plan to be married, there's still something here for you, okay? Now, um, we're going to Genesis chapter 2. We know what God told Adam and Eve, right? We know what God had, the, the rules that God had set in place in, in Genesis chapter 2 and verse 16. But the Lord warned him, him being Adam, um, you may freely eat the fruit of every tree in the garden. Don't miss that. Every tree except the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Only one tree that they could not eat from. If you eat its fruits, God said, you are sure to die. Now, we also know that, uh, that not too long after that, then uh, Adam and Eve, Eve was created from Adam and uh, she came on the scene 
And we know that their attention was drawn back to this tree, this one exception. And we know who did that, right? So Genesis chapter 3, verse 1. Now the serpent was, uh, was the shrewdest of all the animals the Lord God had made. Now this is the, the devil, the enemy of our souls, working through the serpent. One day this, uh, this serpent asked the woman, Did God really say you must not eat the fruit from any of the trees in the garden? So we know that Satan drew their attention back to this one exception. And then we also know what happened, don't we? We are all painfully aware of what happened in Genesis chapter 3, verse 6. The woman was convinced, Eve was convinced, she saw the tree was beautiful, that its fruit looked delicious, and she wanted the wisdom that it would give her. So she took some of the fruit and ate it. Then she gave some to her husband, Adam, who was with her, and he ate it too. Now, I want to point out what may be obvious, but it's incredibly important. They did not have to eat the fruit. They didn't have to do it. They did not have to eat the fruit. See, it's no sin to be tempted. It is not sin to be tempted to do the wrong thing. As a matter of fact, Jesus was tempted when he was here on the earth, but the Bible says that he lived a life without sin. It's not a sin to be tempted. Looking at the fruit, appreciating the fruit, was not sin. Contemplating the, uh, the, the arguments that Satan was offering to them, though it's dangerous, was not sinful. So at what point did it become sin? At what point did they fall and ruin their lives and ruin their marriage? When they made the decision, when they made the choice and act on it. That was when they sinned, when Eve chose to eat the fruit, and so did Adam. So I want, to, I want you to hear me today, and I'm going to say this over and over again. Choices change lives. Choices change lives. And not just your life, the lives of the people around you as well. They did then, they do now. They did not have to eat the fruit. They chose to. There was another better option. And so today I want to talk to you about choosing the tree of life. Choosing the tree of life. Now, have you ever imagined this scene in the garden, the one that we just read about in the Word? Have you imagined this scene, the slithering serpent, maybe some fog rising from the garden floor, making the whole thing kind of dark and sinister? Maybe some tropical birds calling and cackling in the background. Maybe you've imagined that the tree of the knowledge of good and evil is, is squirreled away somewhere in some dark corner of the garden, isolated and alluring. So far away from the other trees that the pull of its fruit was just that much more powerful. I, I think somewhere in the back of our minds, every one of us have thought, if they had just made a different choice... If they had only been able maybe to see another option, if they, if they could have seen another way, maybe they wouldn't have ruined the whole human race, right? Maybe they would have made another choice. Well, I want to show you something because I think this is, this is the key to this whole message today and really the key to, to having a tree of life marriage. And I don't think I had ever seen it until preparing for this, for this message. And I want to show it to you in Genesis chapter 2 and verse 9. We've read through this. Um, but I want you to make sure you understand what it means. The Lord God made all sorts of trees grow up from the ground, trees that were beautiful, produced delicious fruit. In the middle of the garden, he placed the tree of life and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Now, he didn't draw us a map. 
but it, it sure sounds like these trees were side by side. Or they were at least close enough that you could see one from the other, right? Not in the dark corner, in the middle, right smack dab in the middle of paradise, just steps from the tree of life was the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And they still chose to eat the only fruit that had been forbidden to them. Choices change lives. Sometimes for better, sometimes for worse. For better or for worse. Now that rings a bell, doesn't it? Maybe you remember standing there at the altar, all of those endorphins coursing through your veins, all the marital bliss surrounding you. Maybe you're at the altar, maybe you're at the justice of the peace, maybe you're out in the yard. Wherever you were, many of us remember that moment in our own little marital garden of Eden, right? And some of us, even standing there, were wondering if the marriage would last. Wondering, wonder if we'll be happy. I wonder if the vows that we just took, the vows we took before God, I wonder if, if they'll be fulfilled. And what the preacher probably didn't tell you, and I've got to remember to change my, my wedding uh, program here, but what the preacher probably didn't tell you is that a good marriage doesn't happen to you. It does not happen to you. It's not like God has only uh, so many good marriages that are allowed in a a calendar year and you got married in November, so you're just out. Right? It's not like he ran out of good marriages. It's not a roll of the dice. It's not about the hand you're dealt. It's about the choices you make. The two of you can have a good marriage. If you want one. But it doesn't come from the outside in. That's why it doesn't matter if it's for richer or for poorer. In sickness or in health. Because a great marriage isn't deterred by your challenges. It's determined by your choices. It's determined by your choices. It does not happen to you. It's determined by your choices. Just like Adam and Eve you have to choose to live in the tree of life. And you have to choose not to fall for the deception that's extended to you by the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. I mean, we say it as a joke all the time, right? But it's true. The devil is a lie, right? The devil is a lie. So as soon as he opens his mouth, that's when you need to stop listening. It's time to get out of his presence. Like, first of all, I don't know why she's standing there talking to a snake in the first place. But secondly, when you realize it's the devil talking to you, stop listening. We've had thousands of years of human history since the Garden of Eden, and not once has a person's life been made better by choosing to follow the easy way or the self-satisfying way or the way that appeared right. As a matter of fact, the Word says there is a way that seems right, but the end is destruction. It, please hear me. It, it wouldn't be so easy to get deceived if it weren't so deceptive. There is a way that appears right. See, like normal people don't get up in the morning and decide they're going to do something to damage or, or destroy their marriage. 
That's not how it works. They don't think that's what they're doing. It's a deception. But listen, there there is still a tree of life available to us. There is still a way that doesn't just seem right. It is right. And it's just one choice away. Choices change lives. So today I want to encourage you, and not just encourage you, but show you how to make uh, choices, to choose the tree of life. Now again, last week we talked about uh, words. We talked about words. And it's Proverbs chapter 15 and verse 4. It says this, gentle words or healing words are a tree of life. Gentle words are a tree of life. So remember, that's, that's healing words. It's words that are going to heal your spouse. Word, that, words that will heal and not hurt. Words that will encourage and not discourage. Because words are powerful, aren't they? Words are powerful. As a matter of fact, in, a, in another place in Proverbs, it says that the power of life and death is in your tongue. So the words that you choose to use are either killing or strengthening your marriage. You can choose healing words that are a tree of life in your marriage. But there are three other things that Scripture says are trees of life, three, things, three choices that you can make that will be a tree of life in your marriage. Here's the, here's the first one we're going to talk about today in Proverbs 13 and 12. Proverbs 13 and verse 12. Hope deferred makes the heart sick. But a dream fulfilled is a tree of life. Hope deferred makes the heart sick. But a dream or a desire fulfilled is a tree of life. So here's the first choice you can make. Choose to chase your dreams together. Choose to chase your dreams together. Nobody wants to think their life has peaked. Right? Nobody wants to think, well, that's it. I'm at the top. It's just downhill from there. It'll never get better than this. Right? Nobody. Nobody wants to wake up thinking that tomorrow is going to look just like today and that that pattern is just going to be repeated and repeated indefinitely. Because that scripture says that makes your heart sick. It kills your hope. Seeing your dreams, seeing your desires, and your plans fulfilled is a path forward for your relationship, and it's important to have that path. Now, two pitfalls here in this, in, this, uh, in this choice. Two ways to get yourself sidetracked onto another path. One of those ways is don't dream. Just don't have any dreams. The second way is to dream individually and not together. If this is going to be a tree of life for your marriage, you have to dream. If dreams fulfilled are a tree of life, then you have to dream. I see so many couples that don't seem to have any hope for a different future. They seem to have accepted the fact that this is the way it's going to be forever, that we're stuck. Maybe it's relationally, maybe it's financially, maybe it's in your job, maybe it's, it's whatever, any area of your, of your life. Or sometimes it feels like every area of your life. You're just stuck. Listen, that's disheartening. If you can't see any path forward, it's disheartening. It kills the hope in your marriage. Everybody wants to feel like they're going somewhere. So even if you're facing serious obstacles, even if you don't know know how to get to the big picture dream, then just take the next right step. Don't focus on what you can't do. Focus on what you can do. And see those dreams fulfilled. 
little by little by little. Every decision is a dream fulfilled. Every decision is a desire that comes to pass. And it gives you the momentum that you need to get to the next step. Now, I've also seen lots of couples who have great dreams. They just don't dream together. The, the great Phil Collins songs for, song from the 80s describes them. Separate lives. Separate lives. When you get married, what did the Lord say? In Genesis, the two become one flesh. You're one flesh. So wherever you're going, you're going together. Or you should be. When you get married, you're not business partners. You're not cohabitators. You're one flesh. If you have two different visions for the future, that is literally the definition of division. Division. That's two visions. That means you're going in different directions. You have to dream, but you have to dream together. It builds a unity of purpose, and it's this convergence of priorities where you both want the same things. You say, but listen, John, we're two very different people. Well, I know that because opposites attract, right? You know, very, very few people marry themselves because that's weird. Even in 2021, that's weird right there, all right? So all, it's okay that you're not just like each other. Your two differing perspectives will produce a much more solid plan than if one of you does it individually, Okay? Unity is not the same as conformity, and it really isn't even compromise, because most people approach compromise, or, oh, Lord, what have I got to get up? What have I got to give up so that we can move forward? That's not, that's not what we're talking about. This is more like iron sharpening iron. It, it's, it's about letting the lesser things fall away so that you can get to your best future together, okay? Now, I'm not even just talking about a dream house or your ultimate job. That's, that's too daunting to think about, especially if your marriage is already rocky. What about a restaurant that both of you have wanted to go to, but it's a little pricey, right? So decide together and then save together until you can go together. Like halfway through, don't say, I got my meal paid for. I'll see you, honey, right? That's not how that works. I'll bring it to go box if I don't eat it all. Go together. Or, or maybe you, you've got that room in your house. Everybody's got that drawer. But maybe you've got a room in your house that has accumulated stuff for the last like 18 years or something. And, and it drives both of you crazy, but you ain't done nothing about it. Make a plan together. Clean it out together. And if both of you survive, then... <laughs> celebrate together, okay? But it's a dream fulfilled. It's a desire fulfilled. You're like, John, you're seriously old if you dream about cleaning out the junk room. Hey, just take what you got, okay? It's a, it's a step forward. It's progress. It's progress. You can sit there and you can nag at each other or you can blame each other or you can complain about it, about how much you hate your life, or you can just make a choice. Choices change lives. So choose to let the tree of life grow in your marriage by chasing your dreams together. Here's a second choice you can make. It's also in Proverbs chapter 3, verse 18. Proverbs 3 and 18. Wisdom is a tree of life to those who embrace her. Happy are those who hold her tightly. The second choice you can make is choose the way of wisdom. 
Choose the way of wisdom in your relationship. It, the, the chapter 3 of Proverbs is an interesting chapter because you know how Proverbs are most of the time. It's just a two, two sentences, it's just one little punch, and then they move on to another topic. You might be talking about marriage, and you're talking about uh, business, and you're talking about all kinds of things. Th- this whole chapter almost is just verse after verse after verse uh, talking about the personification of wisdom in your life. Now, the dictionary definition of wisdom is knowledge applied correctly. You know, it, you know that being wise is different than knowing stuff, Amen. right? You can know a lot of stuff and still just be dumb as brick, right? You continue to make stupid choices because knowing stuff is not the same as applying it at, in the right way at the right time, right? So wisdom is what you're looking for. And if you look through the chapter, you'll see several things that make up, uh, the Bible says make up wisdom. It, it lists understanding it lists knowledge, correction, common sense. wisdom, then it is a tree of life for your marriage. But it's a choice. Listen, you can't just work in your marriage. You have to work on your marriage. You have to work on your marriage. You have to learn stuff. Right? You have to assess your marriage. You have to talk with your spouse about your marriage. Because I promise you, you see it differently. And you don't even know you got to talk to find out what's going on. You have to talk with your spouse. I am currently working on my master's degree in Valerie Butler. I am the only one in the program, and the program is closed. Okay, But I am working on my degree, my master's in Valerie. Valerie's in the nursery today. Don't think that she's upset with me. I'm not coming while you're preaching about marriage. I know how you are. And she's in the nursery, so y'all calm down. All right? So why why would I pursue a master's degree in my wife? Because I need to understand. I need to know. I need need that as background to make wise choices as part of choosing the way of wisdom. The choice is not just made. The knowledge is not just gathered in the moment of, of disagreement. You better have done some homework so when you get to that point, you know you have some options. 
Okay? So you're like, good Lord, well, yeah, I've been living with this woman for 20 years. What can I learn about my spouse? Talk about what she likes, what she doesn't like, and why. Right? Not just knowledge, understanding. Talk about where she came from, what her life was like. Talk about what she wants to do, what her hopes and dreams are. What are those things that she had always aspired to but had always felt like she couldn't make it? Well, what is it that's in her heart? What, what does she like and dislike about herself? Ask her why she chose to marry your crazy behind. Like, what, what were you thinking? And just see what she says. Here's some other things that you can learn. When, when Valerie and I started doing this about 10 or 15 years ago, it absolutely revolutionized our marriage. Read books or watch videos about marriage together. And then talk about them. I noticed nobody said amen to that. It's hard work, right? you got to do that. You, you talk about them. You apply them to yourself. Listen, don't, but, but you do this together. Don't read books. Don't watch stuff. Don't learn stuff so that you can point out what your spouse is doing wrong. That was a great plan, a great time to say amen. Nobody took me up on that. That's not what this is about. The only part of your marriage that you can fix is your part. You cannot fix your spouse. They were broken when you married them, so you got what you deserve. All right? You cannot fix them. You can only fix you. So don't get a book, highlight all the stuff that they need to see, and leave it on the sink for them. That is not how that's going to work. That book will be kindling for a bonfire that night. That is not how it's going to work. Here's what I discovered. When I quit trying to fix Valerie, when I quit trying to get God to fix Valerie and started praying about me, trying to fix me, what I discovered is that I had my hands full. I had a full-time job on me. I didn't have time for her. I prayed for her instead of about her, and I prayed about me. And it makes all the difference in the world. Now, here, here's some examples of some things that we've learned over the years. Did you know that everybody has a unique personality? Everybody has their own unique personality. You're like, well, I thought we had a strange and wonderful relationship. You're like, I'm wonderful and, you know, she's strange. That, that's, no. There, there are personalities. Some, some uh, programs break it into four categories. Some, the Enneagram uh, breaks it into nine distinct personalities. I can't tell you how many fights Valerie and I have avoided since we started learning about this kind of stuff. Things that I thought she was doing to me intentionally to make me mad actually is just how she's built that she is we all of us are hardwired to think and respond in certain ways based on our personalities so they're not doing stuff to you they're just they're just being normal that's their normal i love what andy stanley said about the the enneagram he said there's so what you're telling me is there's nine different normals yes there are normal people there are other people who are not like you, who are also normal, okay? So that's what you find out. You find out that not everybody's just like you, and they don't have to be. But you need to know what normal is for yourself and for your spouse so that you can understand each other. 
If you don't, you're going to draw, you're going to do what Valerie and I did, draw the wrong conclusions and drive each other crazy, and you're going to make wrong choices. Did you know that you each have a distinct way that you prefer to receive love? Pastor Robbie and Erica talked about this a couple of weeks ago. The, the book, The Five Love Languages, was an absolute game changer for our marriage because how I was, I was doing things that I thought was expressing love to her that she didn't even care about. So what she needed and what I was offering were not even hidden. You need to, you need to get it. You need to read it. You need to apply it. Did you know that uh, there are one of three ways that people express anger? Do you know that you express anger in a certain way and so does your spouse? You're like, I know he's mad a lot. Yeah, I get that. But how you express your anger is important to understand. I am a stuffer. Valerie is a spewer. Some of you, and in case you hadn't figured that, that's different things. Okay? And, and some of you are leakers. You ain't like obviously mad. You mad for 12 years. <laughs> right? It's going to come out, but it's going to come out a little at a time. All right? It's important to know that about yourself and about your spouse. I'm telling you, there's a ton of things to learn. You will never run out of things to learn about yourself and about your spouse and about marriages, all of that stuff. But everything you choose to learn is another step on the way of wisdom. Eventually, you'll be in a situation where uh, your old nature, your flesh is going to want to react in a certain way, but all the stuff that you've learned will suddenly come back to your mind and you'll make a decision in that moment to walk in wisdom. And what will happen is your mind will explode because you will have made a wise choice and you will have experienced the power of wisdom. You will have avoided the collision. Like you'll, you, you will have avoided the train wreck that was down the track that you've been down 112 times. And when you avoid the train wreck, you'll be hooked. You'll be hooked. It'll make you want to know more and more so that you can choose more wisely. And then sometimes you're going to get in a situation where you're going to think, okay, this is a personality thing, or this is a bad day thing, or this is a love language issue, or this is whatever, and you'll discover it might not be any of those things. And then you're going to say, oh, I've got more to learn. And you'll want to, talk, you'll want to learn about inner healing. You'll, you'll want to learn about spiritual warfare. You'll never run out of stuff to learn. But if you choose to walk in the way of wisdom, it will be a tree of life for your marriage. You won't have a perfect marriage, but you'll be shocked at how good it can be if you make that choice. Now, there's one last way to choose wisdom in here. Before we go to the last point, I want you to see Proverbs 13 and 20. Your mama probably taught you this. You didn't know it was in the Bible. Walk with the wise and become wise. Associate with fools and get in trouble. Didn't she tell you that? Did she not tell you that who you hang out with is who you're going to become? If you want to be wise, you have to hang out with wise people. Choose to be around people. If you're married and you want your marriage to be better, choose to be around people who are pursuing the tree of life in their marriage, especially those that might be a little bit further down the road than you. No, Valerie did not mute me. Thank you very much. Um, 
you have to be around people that are going where you want to go. Your social circle is way more influential than you think it is. Because you are becoming the five or six people that you spend the most time with. Somebody just thought, oh Lord, I'm in serious trouble. Right? You're becoming the five or six people you're the closest to. Are, are, you, are those people making you wise or making you foolish? It sounds much more ominous now, doesn't it? Um, here's the last of the three choices that you can make. Proverbs chapter 11, verse 30. The seeds of good deeds become a tree of life. The seeds of good deeds, or some translations say the seeds of righteousness become a tree of life. And a wise person wins friends. Here's the last choice. Choose to sow good seeds. Choose to sow good seeds. Some choices, and we make lots of choices. It, adulting is about making decisions, isn't it? And, and it's, it's, it's exhausting. Some choices, some decisions are morally neutral. Right? They're not going to affect anybody's eternity. Like, I don't think God cares whether you choose chocolate or vanilla or strawberry. I don't think it's, thus saith the Lord, thou must choose the strawberry. I don't, that's not a thing, right? I don't think he cares whether you drive the green car, the blue car, or the white car. I don't think he cares. That's a morally neutral preference, and your choice won't affect anybody's eternity. But there are choices that you make that do affect eternity. They matter, and they matter a lot. Every choice you make becomes a tree. Every choice you make eventually becomes a tree. Whether it becomes a tree of life or not depends on what you plant. It depends on the choice you make. The way to have a tree of life marriage is to sow seeds of righteousness. Live righteously. Plant the seeds of, of, of righteousness. Do the right things. Like stop being mean to each other and start treating each other with respect. It's a seed that grows into a tree of life. Why? Because choices change lives. Stop trying to live one foot in the world and one foot with Christ. Go all in with Jesus. I have never met a single individual who regretted going all in with Jesus. I've met lots of people who regretted waiting so long to do it because they had had years to sow other seeds and had to reap that harvest. Choose to have a marriage that glorifies God in your dreams, in your words, and in the wisdom of your choices. Sow good seeds. I, I, I read of a man or, or watched a video, I don't remember, but I heard this story of a man who was, uh, he and his wife were contemplating divorce. Things were just bad. Like, like they, they, could, they could hardly even stand to be in the same room together. And one day he decided he was going to try something different. Now, listen, this is not in the Bible, but you know, probably should be. Um, if you keep doing the same things, you're going to keep getting the same results, right? So this guy decided, well, I know where this road's headed, so I'm going to do something different. He, was, he decided, he made the choice to sow a different seed. And so he got up a little bit before his wife did, and he brought her a cup of coffee, which she suspected may have been poisoned. But she pushed on through because it was early and nobody else offered her anything. So she's like, okay. He brought her this cup of coffee and he said, what can I do today to make your life better? 
and she was extremely suspicious and cynical um, and a little sassy. So she told him something that she knew he wouldn't want to do. And he did it. And a seed was sown that day. And the next morning, he brought her a cup of coffee. And he said, what can I do today to make your life better? And she told him something a little less uh, despicable than she did the day before. And he did it. And listen, I'm not telling you that they fell into each other's arms that night and lived happily ever after. But seeds were sown. And the ice began to melt. And little by little, one choice upon another choice, things began to change in their marriage. But it started with one choice. The choice to sow seeds of kindness. So I want to tell you today, don't underestimate the power of one choice. Choices change lives. It sounds, it sounds a little odd to say, especially those of you who've been around for a little while. Um, but you know what probably saved mine and Valerie's marriage? Like were, were y'all on the rocks? Not at the time, no. We've been through some rough spots. You know what probably saved our marriage? My parents' divorce. I was 28. We'd been married for about seven years. And you've heard me talk about the emotional damage that it did to me and to my family and all of that, and, and all of that's true. But the silver lining of that is it scared us to death. Because we figured if after 43 years our parents could divorce, then it could happen to anybody. And so we started making different choices. We started choosing to make our marriage better. We started choosing to have more honest conversations, even, even conversations that were painful sometimes, to reveal some things that we had not been telling each other because we were trying to spare their feelings. But listen, this is not, this is not something you're going to want to tweet. <laughs> it's not something you're going to want to hang on the wall. But can I tell you, there is no such thing as marriage without pain. You're in relationship. It's going to hurt sometimes. The question is, are you going to be all in to the point that you're willing to have difficult and even painful conversations now in the short term, things that might hurt a little, or are you going to just continue to kick the can down the road until the problems are so huge that the pain is insurmountable? It's not that you'll ever have a pro an opportunity to have a marriage without pain. It's just you got to choose the time and the place and the manner in which you're going to hurt. And if you can hurt a little bit now to get closer together, doesn't that make a whole lot more sense? than waiting until it's over. And so Valerie and I started making choices intentionally to do something that would help our marriage. And we didn't do really great to begin with. We didn't really make enough choices fast enough, and we went through some tough times. People have said, well, it must have been easier for you two because y'all started so young when you started dating when you were teenagers and got married so young, you've been married so long, it must be easier for you. Listen, nobody gets a free pass to a good marriage. That's not how that works. Every one of us, you and Valerie and me, all stand. Every day we stand in front of two trees. Every day. And we make choices. We have to choose. I just want to encourage you today. Choose the tree of life.
choose the tree of life. Oh, but you don't know how the, that woman drives me. No, that woman don't do nothing to you. You have the choice to respond. Don't get your head turned by the fruit of the other tree. Marrying somebody else is not going to make it easier. The, the, the devil's going to lie to you. He's going to tell you you're stuck, going to tell you you need to get out, tell you you're finished, tell you you're missing something, tell you all kinds of lies. Now listen, I know there's the, the problem with preaching about marriage is there's so many uh, little nuanced, uh, so many different situations going on. I'm not trying to bring criticism, and I'm not trying to bring uh, uh, condemnation or any of that. There are some situations that are beyond repair because the other party absolutely won't help. But I'm just telling you, if both of you will make different choices, you can get a different outcome. It's profoundly obvious today. Choices change lives. Great marriage is not random. It's a choice. If the two of you are willing, a tree of life marriage is just one choice away. Why don't you stand with me, please? So we're going to, uh, I'm going to pray and, and the altar is open. You can come and pray about this issue, pray about your marriage. You can pray about anything because I know there are lots and lots of situations going on in lots of people's lives. And if you want to come and pray, perfectly fine. You are welcome to. If you'd like for me to pray with you, then come and stand. If you would like to just have some time between you and the Lord, then if you'll kneel, we'll leave you alone. Okay? We're going to sing a song. They're going to come and sing a song. We'll be dismissed together in just a minute. I don't know about you, but I don't get very many moments of silence. I don't get very many quiet moments in my life. For the next few minutes, it's going to be pretty quiet in here while they sing this song. I would encourage you to just listen to the voice of the Lord as he speaks to you. And if he draws you to this altar, you come on and pray. Father, we just thank you for your word. I thank you that you, um, that you have wisdom to share about every subject, about every aspect of our lives. And we know, Lord, that, that according to Ephesians, that our marriages are supposed to be a reflection of our relationship to you. So this is important to you, that we have good marriages. I pray that you'd help us to be humble enough to hear um, what we need to do differently, different choices that we need to make. And God, would you give us the wisdom and the humility and the patience to, um, to make those choices as you lead us and guide us. Lord, draw every person to this altar who, who has a, uh, a need that you want to meet today, that you want to hear about today. Lord, I pray that you'd help us to lay our needs before you. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. We pray that you have been blessed and inspired by today's Covenant Living broadcast. To find out more information about our ministry, just visit our website at www.covenantlifewestga.org. You can find this video there on our homepage. Just click the YouTube button and make sure you subscribe to our YouTube channel. Give us a call at 770-537-3747. That's 770-537-3747. At Covenant Life, our mission is to go and make disciples by being real, relational, and reaching. Be sure to join us next week for more Covenant Living with Pastor John Butler.